So Rob, I'm super stoked. We get a little chance to chat. I know you super deep in the game, just like myself a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm always curious, what are you working on in your room? Is it anything in particular? Are you refining something? What's been going on? Um, Yeah, basically trying to um, just keep, you know, as we've been, you know, I've been dabbling down this for a year or so now or whatever, a couple of years considering what I was doing before with the defensive stuff and kind of combining it. And it fits so perfect with like the eco style of training. Cause you can't really train the defensive stuff, like the old way. <laughs> so it just kind of all, you know, rolled into it. So, and then lately I've been every month, it's kind of changing a little more. I'm still, I'm definitely trying to play the whole game, you know, during jujitsu. One thing, you know, Greg talks about, I think that's very valuable how I've been playing with, it, especially with, the younger kids and the teens and, you know, some of the adults is because people don't get exposed to like the stand up portion a lot, or we, you know, jujitsu, we're always like, you know, it's gotta be a separate class or, you know, if it's gi or no gi, everybody's different, you know, I just want to really add in everything. So we're hitting some, we're hitting something standing on some passing and pinning and just trying to play the whole game and just looking at it a broader way. And I'm kind of like playing with the idea of, you know, letting the sport, you know, train the sport, you know, basing on what are the things that work? Why, you know, why are points where they are? You know, why, what's the dominant positions and how do we get there? And the kind of the sport kind of dictates that, you know, if you look at something like wrestling compared, you know, folk style, freestyle, their games evolve out of, you know, what's important, where the, where the scoring potentials, why are those their scoring potentials? Because they're dominant positions. So, mm-hmm. and I think it definitely, as we play more of the no-gi stuff, you see more of that uh, wrestler mentality. You see the top position becoming more important. You understand why when you're on the bottom, you do want to get that sweep and become the top player. So I'm kind of designing a lot of games around, you know, not the four points or two points or three points, but over what are scoring positions and, how to not give away those positions and then letting that kind of dictate how you know how people are playing you know i'm letting that kind of guard it kind of like how other sports do it (laughs) you know how you see it you know you know what works and why sports develop the way they do Mm -hmm. especially something like wrestling yeah you know these ideas awesome ideas i we're designing activities around them but how often do you like explicitly share strategy ideas, you know, that, that part of it too, because I'm always curious about that implementation that, you know, how are people talking about the game of jujitsu and how yeah. often do they talk about it? Like, this is a dominant thing for ABC reason, you know, like, I'm just curious, where do you fall on that spectrum when talking about that stuff? Or do you let the game do the talking? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to talk about it more because I want, because I've been started when I started playing with different things, like uh, just like a pin, like say you give up a pass, right? So when you're inside control in jujitsu, we tend to just accept it, right? And we're like, oh, I'm going to play my from side control. I'm not going to get submitted. I'm going to get back to the guard. I don't want that to be what the goal is. I want it to be, hey, don't give up a pass. Or if you get past, I'll let the top player, if he could keep you on your back and keep your shoulders on the mat, and I'll give like a three-second count. And I'll tell the top player, count to three seconds. Or if I'm watching and I'm I'm not in the middle of whatever, I'll start, I'll just do like pro wrestling style. One, two, and it'll change. You can tell people all day, you know, just stand up. Don't give your guard, you know, get back to your feet. You can say that all day. 
But until we give that consequence of a three count and you lost, it changes the whole mentality of actually trying to get back to your fight, not allowing a pass. So I've been playing with adding those in a lot, like raising the stakes even, and I'll even like, that'll be during the games. And even at the end when we're free floor and when we're rolling, I'll say there's two win conditions, submission, or if you get pinned by three seconds after giving up a pass mm. or say, you know, or like how wrestlers are like belly down and just flatten out. I'll also add, if your hips get pinned flat to the mat, even belly down for three seconds, you lost also. Because I don't want people just to accept being inside control or north-south and just playing that type of jujitsu game. I want to see some uh, a little more stakes on it to where we're actually battling over positions constantly and mm -hmm. battling over these scoring positions or dominant positions. So it's yeah. really changed the, the the roles, which I really, which I really like. And I, cause I kept coming out cause I know how I play and I could think about it, getting back to my feet, not to staying inside control, but you could tell people all day long mm -hmm. until there's some type of consequence for it. The game environment's a great, great place to use that. Yeah. So while you were saying, I was thinking, like, you know, one of the big benefits is like, yeah, I can tell you to do this, but because I get so many little game touches where you can have the outcome, the negative or positive, the emotion thing that kicks in, the way it drives your focus, right? Just think like sometimes I think my students are like, man, you have experienced this situation more times than I did up until like blue belt or like purple belt, you know, it's like white belts who've been training for three months, just because they're like, they've touched the hot, that hot stove so many times that they know a little bit of everything. And that, that's like, um, that's why a lot of like, what I'm trying to do is just like, if you can be that first touch point as many times, because that's how you drive action, right? When the action is the win or lose thing, because I'm curious if you observe the same thing. For me, when I watch my students train now, I feel like they're their rate of action, not meaning like they're running around circles, but they're like looking and solving and like trying to progress and make things happen. I feel like it's way higher than it used to be among my students. I feel like before I used to have people really trying to not hold, but like force or wait for something to appear. And like, you know, was, yes. you, you notice any difference in like how your athletes sort of like play the game now? Yeah, and it was funny because I really started noticing that even before I, you know, understood the whole, well, who, who knows what we understand, the whole <laughs> eco thing, right? We're all trying to figure it out even yeah. more. But even before doing that, when I was adding the, the defensive aspect and the way I was training it and where I was just given all the defensive things and I'd let the offensive person kind of figure out what they're doing. And so I would play like that heavy pre-style pre defense and I'm doing it with my teenage students and I started noticing they were trying to, they were adjusting and trying to make me give an opening, you know, and I'll notice when I would go with adults that I haven't trained with a while or other people, I would go shell up in a turtle in a position and they would just be kind of stuck because mm -hmm. it's like, wait, uh, there's no seatbelt. There's no this, there's no that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really understand what to do. And some people would just back away from my turtle. So the game would open up. But then when I go with a, one of the teens or the kids that roll with me more, they're actually throwing out stuff, creating setups, creating things. Cause these openings, they, they're like, okay, there's no opening. I need to make this opening. So they'd actually actively try to adapt and create openings compared to other people who trained more traditionally. 
<laughs> if the opening's not there, then they're like, all right, I'm just gonna back away or do something else. And now I got people that are teens that are actually hunting for stuff and using setups. Cause you notice in jujitsu, we don't talk about setups a lot, mm -hmm. right? Especially in the technique realm of how they sell techniques. Where is the setup? You right. know, it's, it's not there, right? It's just like, okay, I pull you over and I get a seatbelt and I take your back and I choke you out. Well, there's a lot of things that go into that way before getting to that choke. You actually need those active setups. So how do we actually get those setups? You need those touches. You need those time in that position, which, you know, are all the great things about, you know, the eco style of training. So even in simple games of stand up, you know, how are you going to get that takedown? How are you going to get that single leg? How are you going to get that underhook? You need to snap my head down and then maybe my elbows open up and now the double underhooks or you're looking for this and this opens up. So we're actually training more of the timing, the things that are not seen that you can't show as a technique. You know, mm -hmm. how do you teach us? How do you teach a scramble? How do you teach timing? How do you, you know, these are things that this will open up playing these type of ways or, or looking for points or different positions and just kind of letting the sport, you know, train the sport. Yeah. So you start talking about the, the Preet stuff. That was interesting because I was, I went through a very similar thing where a lot of me playing around with learning and implementing that with my students led to us already starting to play like the most basic games that like, you know, like I'm sure you did the one where like, yo, just this guy has to constantly keep moving through defensive postures. Other person yeah. stay just to back as long as you can. That was like my first like dabble into it. And it was so good for my students. You know, we started to like, growing from there one thing that's like interesting I, I think is because of training be the way it is where we can get so many touches right and touches are interesting of course they make like skill acquisition but i really think it changes people's attitude to training itself in the way that they roll like like for me when i started doing the defense bjj stuff all my training became way more playful and i learned way more every round like way more data yes now i know it's just for my students because they see training as playing these games and just trying to get better like that is transferred over to just like their overall approach and like attitude and that's like um really neat to see because think of everyone like back in the day who was good that you know it's like ah oh, they just loved training they were like you know that's what they naturally were inclined to whereas now because of the way that their program is they sort of get trained to learn to just love to train if that makes sense you know like that's a a, a cool little side oh yeah really observed because a healthy training culture is so important because sometimes i'll talk with students who are like frustrated about training and like what happens in training and chances are that's a student who started in the og days you know what i mean where they yes. had a certain set of expectations, whatever. And now ah, there's, you know, like they, they still can harbor like weird feelings about getting tapped or getting smashed by someone they shouldn't have <laughs> got smashed by. Yeah. Whereas like my newer guys and my guys who are like really good and like all gone all in on skills, like you don't see it, you know, because it's living like they've never, it, it's weird. Cause I don't know how that develops, but I know for sure when you play high touch, win, lose all the time, and you're just sort of like, learn it, that goes away. Have you seen that too? Like this weird culture side oh. effect? Yeah, because the, the training environment's more fun and it's more live. So you're going to get submitted more. You're going to get swept. You're going to get taken out. It just happens more often in a real environment. So, and I've talked about this on other ones. It's like with the older child traditional training, we kind of create that 
mentality of not wanting to get tapped, going super hard, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the white belt spaz or whatever you want to say, because in reality, you know, you go to a traditional setup, you do 15 minutes, 20 minutes of non-jujitsu warmups, you know, in a stale environment by yourself, shrimping up and down the mats or whatever. And then you do 20, 30 minutes of dead drilling. That's not live training. You know, you, you get hot, you know, then you're doing some stuff and then you lay there and you let the other person doing it. You're getting hot, you're getting cold, you're getting stiffened up, you're loosening up. And then we go, all right, it's end of the class. Now everybody try to submit each other with all the <laughs> techniques you just learned. So what are they going to do? They're going to start really putting everything into every move where compared yeah. to this style of training, you've already done that multiple times already in 30, 40, whatever, however long your game session is. And then when you go into the sparring part, it's the same thing. It's just more the whole game now where you already played all those component parts already. So you're already doing it. So it makes it a more fun environment. It makes it a more, you're okay to get submitted. You know, I, I tell all the people, you know, I'm, I get submitted all the time. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. You just, you have to put yourself in these positions. You know, you, you have to try these different ways to play. And then my students, when they get submitted by each other, I'm like, listen, this doesn't go on your record. You know, <laughs> it's, this is this training, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is this training. We're all here to help, you know, and it just makes a more, we, I, I try to have a fun environment. I want to have it. It's playful. You can talk, you could play, you could, you know, this and that, as long as you're moving, it just mm -hmm. makes a, a better overall feel from that. You know, listen to me, tell you the most perfect technique. Now you have to replicate it over and over again. And then now you have to try it. This is, it's just such a different environment, right. to, you know? Yeah. You know, um, something you mentioned earlier that I want to see how you're working to achieve is you were talking about, Hey, there's a big absence of setups and timing and being able to pass it on. How have you been trying to tackle that? Cause I have like my ways, you know, my, my approach is I do a lot of games about stance and then being able to understand and appreciate that most of a person's defense or even their ability to have great offense comes down to stance. So a lot of our games, you know, that's where I focus attention, disrupt their stance. What does that look like in terms of where their elbows are to the, next to their body or their, their yep. feet or just like, you know, like we do a lot of centering it just on stance, but it's funny because like, I never really talk about it as like, a part of like a skill of like setups or timing, but like we we combine those two things into the whole idea of like stance, attacking stance and keeping stance, you know, things like that. How do you try and build that into like practice? Well, yeah, it's it's funny, it's interesting. Uh Chris Chris Payne's uh he he talks a lot about like posture and stuff like that from everywhere. So I, I started playing with that with more too because it's like if you have a you know strong spine, a straight spine, that works in the stand-up game. That works in the past passing game. It actually works when you're on your back because, you know, I just start. So I'm always talking about how can we break that person's posture? How can we get that uh, spine bent over? How can we snap the head? You know, and then so each game will have that. And I'll just be like straight spine, try to keep a straight back or and then. So when I'm saying that now, the other person, what's their idea? to make them make their back not as straight to get their head down. So then they can snap them down. And when that head gets snapped down, they pop up. There's the setup to go to what you want to do or say, I'll play a game like a, a passing game and I'll have a person stay in like a tripod type stance or any type of starting stance. And they have to move forward. 
while keeping that posture strong and their back up and that bottom person can do anything they want to off balance them, get their hands to touch the mat, try to sweep them, put them into submissions, and they have to keep trying to stay in that posture mm -hmm. and get back to it. And then I'll add on the layers of the hand fighting afterwards, the whatever, where I, I like to do that. I like to, how can you maintain this first? Then we'll go into now we can add in all the hand fighting and then we can add into more, you could progress to a pass or whatever. I'm always constantly playing with those ideas. So both are getting that, what are we really trying to do? We're trying to break the other person's posture or stance mm -hmm. or balance. Like nobody talks about balance. Balance is one of the most important things we can do. Like when you're, when you're passing or pinning, your job is first to stay on top, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can't stay on top, you can't pass. You can't pin. <laughs> and if you can't uh, not get back to your feet, you can't do that. So instead of showing all the passes and sweeps, let's work on what's the real thing, the balance aspect of it or mm -hmm. the posture part of it or how to actually um, control your body, right? Because we're playing an athletic game. We're playing an athletic sport, right? So those things always come into play. Even with somebody like me, I'm, I'm older now. But I'm still always working on that, you know. Th this, no technique is going to save me from getting, you know, knocked over and then smashed. I have to be able to to stay on top. I have to know what I'm doing, you know. So that's that's kind of how we act. And, and then these setups are going to come within the games where I'm talking about trying to get the head to snap down or trying to get under the elbows or all these different cues I throw out there during whatever game we're playing. Right. Yeah, so I, I love to start with stance and very stance-oriented games is like my first touch. I always think of it like you're playing Street Fighter with your nephew and they know nothing, so you just let them hold the controller and flail as you block everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love stance as a thing to really focus on because it's purely visual. You can you can search for that and see if you're winning or losing, or if you're doing it or you're not doing it. Right. Yeah. When I, when I like, sometimes I'm trying to consider that because like feeling me off balance you, mm, there's, there's a little bit more of like a runway till I get good at being able to feel where your weight is shifting from heel to toe or whatever. But stance I love as a thing folks on because it's a hundred percent visual, right? Yeah. I can know your feet. There's a strong shape for you, a stagger. There's a bad shape, a square or an inline, you know, like, or there's, you know, strong, like this, this that's one of my, biggest reason I just love to focus on like the stance thing is because there's no background knowledge needed if that makes you know it's, it's just well, you just it's, uh, change the shape and we can like it's oh, I guess. yeah because it's interesting I, I was I when I was in the Arizona Globetrotter camp I was talking about this with some people how I how I actually teach uh, a grappling or wrestling stance to anybody and especially with kids it's even funner you know it's more fun because uh, I don't actually show them how to stand or whatever is if they're going with me or somebody who's, you know, a little more experienced in the class, if you basically take a kid and if he's just standing straight up, I just start pushing them, <laughs> pushing them back, pushing them to the side, pulling the head down. Cause just think about it. If I push you, you're going to put that a foot back. Right. And then if I knock you to the side, it's going to open up a little bit. If I snap your head down, you got to get your posture up. So I'll just keep pushing them in all directions. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see, they'll start going, to start getting into a stance and then I'll actually understand why it's strong that way. And I'll try to do that from there. I'll try to do that from passing in the same way where I'm actually letting, where I don't have to say, because if you think about it, if I tell you, 
you have to have your elbow here, this arm here, this knee in front, and completely separate. It's a lot to think about instead of me just pushing you around and you kind of finding that balance of a stance, whatever we're playing. So the stance is huge, but how we get there sometimes, you can take a couple different paths to get there. And I prefer, especially with the younger kids or teens, I'll just push them around. <laughs> I just go, I go right to it, you know, and then they're either going to fall over or they're going to pop back up and then start adjusting to it. So that that's a, that's been a fun way to play with getting a stance out of somebody without actually explicitly giving them how to stand. So that, yeah. that's been fun to play with. Yeah, because you don't really have to tell them anything, even about zones that you want to keep safe or points you want to let them yeah. control. It's just they need to not fall over and you get yes. free reign to push them. You know what I mean? That's, well, that's like the first thing of grappling is don't fall over. Don't end up on your back. You know, I know with jujitsu, we love to pull guard and this and that. And I do it too because I like to play guard. And that's how we kind of start training sometimes, and especially in the older days. But it's like these are a little more important concepts we need to know. Just not being in balance, not falling over, being able to get your, your balance straight. So I play a lot of stuff with that type of balance mm -hmm. where, you know, I'll just display those type of games and then let those attributes kind of find, kind of figure out where we're going to go with after that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hop around. I was thinking about something while we're just thinking of like, how much naming do you do of positions, certain grip connection, you know, because like, hey, we know that a post and a hook and a grip here, that's also the Lahiva, you know, like, where yeah. do you follow that? Some people like to use like more mechanical only language for that reason, whereas other people like to use language that your student can Google and learn more on their own afterwards. There's there's like an argument merit for both. I I, I sort of do this and I say, and you know, parentheses, you can Google it as A, B, C, B. But like, what do you like to do? Uh, I think I'm still in that point of just uh, evaluating what language I use and understand because I'm using way and way less names of traditional jujitsu moves. Like because of the way this training has been moving towards and I'm using such a more, I try to do a more zoomed out picture like I'm saying and just kind of dictating towards how I, we want, I want people to grapple based on the sport itself. So I'm not using as many terms like that because the games kind of um they kind of develop it on their own so it's i'll just say stuff like a guard i'll say stuff still like butterfly and this like because those are kind of like easy ones to do mm -hmm. so sometimes let's say looking for an inside hook or an outside and then maybe i'll still say hey a delahiva flew up out of nowhere or something like that but the way i've been playing with it I haven't had to use as many terms, but I still, you know, you know, underhook or two on ones or, you know, collar ties. These are, you know, things that have been right. ingrained in us for years, you know, so yeah. I'll still throw out that type of stuff, you know. Yeah, very interesting. I I'm more likely to point out the name of all the individual tools that we combine to create a guard rather than <laughs> the guard itself. You know, what yeah. I mean? like, that's what I want them to pay attention to. Is like, hey, we have different tools. We have an inside bicep tie, if not in guard. Hey, give me an opinion position, whatever it is. Like, that I think is super useful because as a cue, just reminding them of a tool is really good. Or you know, that, yeah. that I find is because that that's not a technique, and I'm not like saying we should or shouldn't. But like, as far as things you know, if I can tell you a tool, there's a lot of places you can use a scoop grip or an inside bicep yeah. tie 
or you know whatever it is so like or a hook you know just that that's sort of a big big thing i just want to see where you fall in that because some people you know avoid it but sometimes also i find like ah, i wouldn't even need to name this guard because that's not the focus of the game that's yeah i sort of had is like it's actually extraneous information now because yeah me yeah. talking about it being delahiva guard doesn't help them with the task of putting their hands on the floor or being able to get to their belt or whatever it is you know it, yeah. it literally doesn't matter but like yeah. you still name it but like uh, that's why i'm like ah, the tools would be better you talked about the way that you're going to use a hook and the way you're going to use a post and that you know that that makes a lot more sense but it's like when we say a thing that just distracts a person you know yes it's like, yeah okay you're speaking english 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 french suddenly what happened <laughs> and then back to words that i can up with you know and i yeah. think sometimes we can fail to consider how easy it is to throw someone off when they don't when they're not standing on a big wealth of experiential knowledge that we already have you know yeah if i if we can have this conversation and we can have tangents and be like all over because we can find the thread because we have like not a true shared experience but enough to be able to play with whereas like if we say something like that in a practice room it has like a really interesting effect because for them it's like what what is that and now all of their things have like stopped you know in the yeah. way that they're engaged it's it's pretty it's so easy to do like language becomes more and more and, and more important as i'm sure you're realizing too yeah. how, how much oh, uh, yeah. how critical of your language are you are there things that you try and like are mm. working on right now in terms of that skill well, I, I would like to go with the thing. I like to see how what's the least amount I could say to describe mm -hmm. something. And sometimes now I've been playing with a lot. Well, I'll even have the students demo the game because they kind of know what we're already doing. And if there's a new person, or sometimes they're so simple, the ones we're going over that I could just call out a couple things and I'm not even using, you know, the Delahiva names and the this and that. I'm just looking for the task. So use the task to kind of describe what we're doing. and then try to say less like I, my, I I'm usually you know less than 60 seconds and I could be on to the next game and I I, I do a, and I'll, I'll some some classes I'll throw out a bunch of quick games or add them all in or just kind of how I'm feeling that day so mm. I try to say not a lot anymore you know and just really let the training kind of get the things going and can we stick to one or two tasks for each person and then you really don't need to say that much, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm just curious if you were talking about how many, how do you like to, in practice, do you like to do several games with several different task focuses? Do you like to do one game? Like this is something that I really like to talk with coaches is everyone has a reason that they like to do it a little bit different. What do you like to yeah. do for your session? Uh, for now, what I've really, I, I think we kind of messaged about this the other day, which mm -hmm. was interesting, where even if it's new people, I know Greg doesn't do the stand-up, but I, I, I think stand-up should be a part of all the, all the classes. So to me, that's the easiest warm-up, whatever term you want to use, because it's just low-hanging fruit. It's so easy to get the whole body going. So I usually do at least, I usually do two or three quick games of some type of stand-up focus. Because I want them to get that, I want them to feel that whole thing because that's where all the matches start. That's where everything starts. And not that, you know, we're, we're trip, still playing sport grappling here, but for like, if depending if you're doing gi, no gi, MMA, self-defense, the most, 
bang for your buck you're going to get is stand-up action right mm -hmm. that 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 translates everywhere you know if you're a kid on the playground and you you, you still want to be able to stay on your feet right the old school uh mm -hmm. way of doing things so i'll do a stand-up i'll do usually two to three games depending how the room's feeling and then so we'll play a couple of those games and then i generally like to go the pinning after that Mm -hmm. One type of at least one something from pinning and then one from passing and uh, and guard situation. So we always hit all, you know, we always hit the major macro situations, but that's depending on the class or who's there or what we worked on prior. It may be more focus on pinning or maybe for more focus on guard or and that's not even that. I just focus more on balance <laughs> mm -hmm. and those attributes. So they're always kind of all intertwined and sometimes everything will just all hook together in some classes. And I generally like it to be that way, but I want, I kind of want everything in a class and just, even if it's a list, a little bite, you know? So I try right. to do stuff like that, but I think stand-up's always my first thing I go to. Mm -hmm. And then if there's a new person or newer people or younger people, I like to go pinning and then backwards out because then you actually understand, because you show somebody new and you put them in a guard, they have no idea why a guard exists. They're like, right. what is this even here for? But if you show them pinning, oh, that's why I need to get my legs back in front of me because getting pinned really stinks. Mm -hmm. So now I need to get those feet back in front of me. So I kind of like to work backwards out that way where I'll go pinning, then the passing guard, and then, you know, kind of play between those ranges. Yeah. For, um, for, for that, like when it's the pinning part of your session, right? Are we doing like what is it, do you like to do you know we're doing one game you and i are going to play it and then we'll move on to a new game with new tasks or maybe a new starting position or a new set of connections or do you like to do a couple of the same pinning games with maybe you know refocusing their attention intention whatever in between rounds where do you fall in that i tend to be more of the latter more of a refocus guy you know just reminding them that or maybe change like a partner as a variable but keep the yes. task the same but are you, do you prefer, where do you lean more on more task variability or like, Hey, let's get really clear on these tasks, but have different partners or how do you like to play with that element? Uh, I always like to, depending on the room, the most of the time I do like people to switch partners and sometimes, cause I, I want you to get that different feel of a, of another body. So say we're having a pinning game where, um, say it's like a uh, couple games I came up with, like from a turtle situation, turtle to, to the stand up while the other person's trying to get the hips on the mat. Mm -hmm. So I'll focus their attention on what you're trying to do for that top player. And then that bottom player will have their task. And then maybe I'll run maybe, you know, a quick round or a couple minutes and then we'll switch. And then I'll reiterate some other task focus on that. And then maybe it's a lot of times I like to layer on another variable for that. If mm -hmm. I see they're really doing well with that. So that right. I can add another little wrinkle into the situation. It's all game dependent. Like um, I've been, I just uh, started experimenting with a new stand-up game the other day. And I'm like, huh, where could I fit this in? Because it was, it's basically being on all fours, right? Mm -hmm. Like a, like a crawl, but you can't just, so then the, both partners are basically trying to knock the head down, hand fight while they're on all fours with their knees off the mat. Only one knee could be on the mat at a time, depending on what it was. So you kind of get that. Um, so you're trying to snap the head down and the goal is to run to the back and not let the perversion get to your back. So they're both trying to do that. 
So now they're playing at this low, like um, animal crawl style play. Right. And then, so after they do that for a while, now I'm going to bring it up. And now they're actually going for ankle tag where they're trying to get the other person's ankle or run to the back. So now it's, they took that crawling aspect game and now it's actually into the more representative learning design of what a stand-up encounter looks like. But they got to work the lower end first and then now we bring it up and now they're trying to get the ankle and run to the back instead of just running to the back. So now we're kind of layering on that. And then this has been an experimental prior. I've run it like twice now and I'm kind of fine tuning what the goals are of each one. But I'm really liking the the way it's going because it's actually giving them uh, it's a good warm up too, obviously, because you're getting your whole body and kind of like an animal crawl. But mm -hmm. it's giving you that that whole balance, how to get to the back, uh, the hand fighting's present, and it actually is a smaller part of what a real stand up shooting in for a double leg or an ankle pick would look like. So I'll kind of layer it up that way and do stuff like that. I like to play with those where, like that where the previous game could go into the other game. Mm. So they already did that end stage part. And now when we put it with another game, now we're getting layers of games. So now they have more, they understand, they've already been there, right? So they can play that game. Um, just hearing you speak, you know, a couple of times you mentioned, you know, depending on the room, depending on the room, I'll do this, depending on the energy, I'll do this. Do you come in with a plan A, plan B, or are you more so like for me, I always have like my first game, the, you know, the, the real base control, whatever game it is going to be. And then I'll see where do we want to go based on yeah. just that, or uh, how, how do you like to play that element? Because yeah, the, sure. do you like to do you have a baseline or do you have it scripted? Like, where do you fall on that? It's funny. In, in the older days, I probably was more prescriptive of what I wanted to do and I, what I was working. It was always what I was working on. Right. And, you know, oh, I'm going to show this and I do this technique. But now it's like the way if I just look at the situations, you know, standing, passing, pinning, blah, blah, blah. I look at that. I always start with the standing. And then based on who's in the room, I can see what I go, could go to next. And I generally, I generally don't have a big plan. I have a couple things I want to do, mm -hmm. like say if I'm working on the power pin aspect of the game or, you know, controlling this, I'll add that in. Or if I'm more into a turtle type or a just stand up focus, mm -hmm. I'll make sure I hit that. And then I want to see what I can layer on after that, depending on there. I, I'm a definitely more, uh, more of a freelance approach at this point. I, I think it, I, I like that. I like the energy in a room. I'm one of those coaches where I'm always, saying stuff i'm always joking i'm always kind of i i play i try to play every game with them especially mm -hmm. if even it's the kids or the teens or whatever i like to jump in if there's a if there's somebody doesn't have a partner i'll, I'll always jump in you know because i don't ever want anybody to not <laughs> be be moving when we can so i basically i i like the freestyle more nowadays you know mm -hmm. Did, did that change for you? Because I know when I started really working on like setting up grills and all this, like, man, I was a met meticulous in my planning. Like, yeah. not that I'm not now, but I, I used to have like detailed, like we're going to do this one, then this one, here yeah. are my key things. Like, blah, blah, blah. like I, had, I had so much more that I like, one, yes, you know, that, okay, I changed. I didn't do a diagnostic, but I realized I, there were so, so many things that I thought were important teaching points or points of emphasis yeah, okay. 
Whereas now I'm really realizing it's like tools, like what tools do we want to use? And like, what are sort of your, what are the big pathways into the legs, up to your knees, stand, you know, like whatever, like I find most of my conversation is about that now. Whereas like in the beginning, I remember I'd be like, it was, it's just so interesting to see like the filter that being focused on just watching them play has made me adapt what I think is important so drastically. Like, oh, yeah, where were you with that? Oh, yeah, when I used to even and I always kind of like to freestyle here and there, even when the more when I was in the IP type of days, but I usually had, okay, when I teach this passing sequence, this is how it's going to be. Then I would try to refine it a little more and make it more technical, more precise. And this had to follow that. And this had to follow that because it just made sense in that realm. Where now, where now I'm like, as long as everybody's moving, everybody's having a good time. And they're hitting all the different phases and i keep seeing the progress that i think i see which i I believe i am since i've kind of switched to this type of uh training i'm just like enjoying it more and i see all i see the students enjoying it more and getting that so i'm like you know what it doesn't have to be meticulous this way or this you're gonna get you need that repetition without repetition right much mm-hmm. different but back in the day where you need those reps and you, you look over and that person does 10 reps and they kind of start staring off in the space, you know, because they think they got it already. Yeah. And they, they, they actually kind of did because in that environment, it's just a jet drill. There's not too much to it. Right. Right. And then now here it's like, no, let's, let's just focus on a couple things and make it really free flowing and moving and just getting more enjoyment out of the training environment for me as a coach and the students. So it's a win-win for me at this point. And I, and I kind of like to keep it in that open, you know, freestyle type of mode. That's just for me. I know some people way more, you know, they have to have this set rule, this set time, this set that Uh, anybody can do what they want. That's great too. I'm just more of the, you know, off the cuff type at this point. Mm -hmm. Now that's at the session level. Now, how about when you zoom out a little bit, how do you approach like, a block like a, a training block or what, how do you how, what's your bigger planning look like you know we talk about session planning but where are you at with how do you like to group and think about things like that um because that's something like i spend a, a lot of time thinking about like yo how do i how do i cover all of all of grappling of course that's the the constant battle right and i find more yeah. so when in this format because like can I cover all of grappling? Probably not, but I can cover the start of every grappling exchange, you know, or like, so, you know, it's very interesting thinking like, how do you navigate that, that, that challenge? You know? Well, I think the, I think cause the way I'm been structuring it. And since I've gone to this style, I want it to be v- extreme, like, you know, or not extreme, just like a generalist mentality. Cause I feel there's, you know, we, I've never thought there was like fundamental techniques. Like I was teaching barambolos to white belts back in the day. Cause I, I just, I don't see it as advanced or whatever, just another forms of grappling. So, but now with, you know, driving by the concepts or whatever you want to call it, just a real general focus on all the stages of grappling, which are not, there's not that many, right? Mm-hmm. There's obviously little slices you can make and, and make it bigger than it is. But if you stick to the generalist concept, then build up that foundation, that base, whatever, whatever words you want to use, build up that base level of grappling. What are, like I said, let the sport train the sport. What are the things that are important in all stages of grappling? And now 
that student on their own or through me, they can pick up and add on these little different layers if they want to focus, if they want to start specializing more in different areas. But I want to stick to more of a very generalized approach right now because I think you get way more out of it. It's like uh, one thing that always used to bother me back in the day, it's like, oh, when you're a white belt, you just need to survive. Well, first of all, they don't even teach you how to survive. <laughs> That's why Preet would always talk about defense. You know, they're like, you're not even giving them tools to survive. You're just saying show up and 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 survive and take your beating. And mm -hmm. then you become a blue belt and you kind of know some jujitsu, whatever that means, which is techniques. And then they're like, oh, then you got to start finding your game and finding your game at purple and then refine it and specialize. No, I've been doing this over 20 years. I'm still <laughs> changing my game all the time because it's e it's much easier to specialize after you have if you build that strong base. So I feel it's more important to build the base all the time. You don't want your students to have these major glaring holes. Like if the ones that don't want to wrestle, they still have to learn how to wrestle some, or at least a defensive way. Mm -hmm. If somebody's not a top pressure passer, they still need to play in that realm because then you don't know how different you're going to be in six months or a year. Like I've never been a top pressure passer, but the last year. That's all I've been doing because I want to play in that environment. So I'll, when I go to sparring sessions or comp class, I put myself in that environment environment because I still need to be able to teach my students that. I just don't want to teach them my game. And I think that's what we do in jujitsu a lot, right? Mm -hmm. We accumulate these techniques and then we try to give them to our students and say, all right, here's your, here's my techniques that I found work for me. No, 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 no. Show them the overall general goal of grappling right. and let them kind of figure out where they want to go with after that, you know, and the training will dictate where they go, depending on what they want to do. Right. So I have a question then. Uh, would you still maybe have like two weeks? I want to try and structure some of the practice designs around pressure passing type of ideas, concepts, like, and do you like plan a rotation there at all? Like do you have like a rotation? Cause I, I'm all the way on board with the generalist idea. It's very much yeah. important to me. For me, then the challenge is how do I rotate in such a way to make sure that I can effectively meet the need, right? Because if yeah, you think yeah. that like, how do we want to categorize skills or positions or like exchanges? Like, how do you want, you know, like, yeah. and then how do we want to rotate through those? Like, do I want to do some time where we work on the skills that you'll use for pressure passing for two weeks? And then a couple of weeks on skills that would be more conducive to being a loose passer. Cause for me, that's how I've been thinking of it is like, I want to be a generalist and a way for me to be a generalist is, Hey, we're going to go through the same general scenarios often, but every time showing you a, or every time playing games that lend to a different style of play, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's how I sort of try and like block it out like way ahead of time. Are you doing like a routine sort of block of any sort or are you just all the way even even responsive in that sense in an ongoing thing like do you like try and have like yo over the next six weeks i'm trying to develop these things in the room or is it we're in these two weeks you know day 10 of that two weeks span you start thinking of what the next two week block looks like yeah. based on what you've seen like how, where do, how do you evaluate that part of your program it's definitely a, a little bit looser. I do stick to like, you know, for a couple of weeks working on something, like if I was really into like, uh, you know, pressure or power pinning type stuff, you know, like the Craig Jones style, freestyle, you know, wrestling power pin type things, if I get, make that a focus. I'll have a couple games dedicated more solely towards that. 
And then still we have the other generalist stuff that you always hit no matter what. So it just depends what the focus is in that position. But I feel like overall, since I started diving in deeper to like folk style wrestling, watching what they do, this type of control that doesn't really exist as much in jujitsu, right? Because of the way the game is played, it's like that give and take, you know, accepting type mm -hmm. things. Yep, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the whole the whole focus has been for for months now. The overall concept is is the control aspect. How can you hold that person down that doesn't want to be held down? Like I think that's the thing we don't. It's not talked about enough, and Craig has been talking about more, and all these other guys not accepting being down, and it will change the way your room. Oh yes, yeah. if it's the. Yeah, like I was uh I was grappling with one of my teen students yesterday in the round and the 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 whole focus of the thing was not giving up any type of point, you know, so so no takedown, no whatever. And me and him are going and I would get on in a single and as soon as I put his hips on the mat, he's popping back up. And I'm like, Oh man, now I gotta keep going. And then I you know, he starts getting to my back or trying to take me down. And we're just battling over these points and over these control positions, and we're not battling over things that are talked about, you know, loose passing, this passing, or this type of whatever. It was just, can we, can we structure it around when another person does not want to be controlled? That is always hand fighting. Like these are the most important things to me. Every, I don't even say majority of the time, we're not even grappling. We're basically grippling. We're grip fighting all the time. We're just, we're just grippling, right? We're just yeah. always doing that. So I would, really trying to go in that zoom out approach where i'm not even talking about different ways i'm just talking about how are we structuring it letting the sport change the sport or how letting what are the points that we're looking for what are the control position and what's domination dominating and grappling you know mm -hmm. so it's a very weird thing we're a very weird place i'm in right now because it's, it's not what we were doing what i was doing before it just keeps getting more broad more bigger picture and I'm, I'm trying to let different things dictate the training, mm -hmm. you know, where it's not me getting them to do a technique, to do a certain move. But if I put these different rules in place, the three count pin, the not giving up any points or this or that, it kind of is. It, it's, so we're in like this really cool experimental type phase right now, which I've been having a lot of fun playing with. Mm hmm. Cool. So yeah, you try and play pretty responsive overall, which I like and which I'm all for, you know, a curious thing. Um, have you had any people that have went from day one to blue belt yet since going pure grills? No, sort of. No. Had no, one close, no, but it's, like but it's funny. But it's funny if I'll have a person that's had like just months of training. It's it's funny. It's interesting when you see it more from like you do a lot of kids and teens also. Mm -hmm. So it's funny seeing like it's interesting where you just get somebody that's brand new. They probably never even heard about jujitsu or grappling. Their parent might have signed them up or something. So I'll have like this, you know, this 13 year old girl's new, doesn't look like she played muddy sports before. And all she knows is be on top stay on top look for these controls and she just does that mm -hmm. and and it's weird because i could say hey look you know look for this like I don't, I don't know what i'm looking for i'm like well you're doing it already 
And she's like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> and then, so they're actually just through playing the games, it's creating that and it's much different than somebody who's looking for moves or looking for techniques, you know? So it's really interesting seeing newer people come in and they get two, three months and the progress be, and it's a different sort of progress. Mm-hmm. Like the older way was, you know, when they start sparring, if all they know is closed guard arm bar, or they only know this Dela Hiva, they'll just keep spamming those techniques they learned compared to playing this way. They're actually just looking for controls. They're looking for dominance in these aspects. It's very interesting. Yeah. So here's the thing for me is now I'm like, man, what is a blue belt? Because you guys can play a lot more jujitsu than perhaps like many of my peers when I was getting a blue belt. And now it's like, huh, is blue belt as far away? Not, not that necessarily it's even a far away thing. Hey, it's a, a year to two years type of situation still. But like, huh, does it really look the way a blue belt looked for me in the past? It's sort of a thing that I'm coming to like figure out because like their game is not sloppy. It's just uglier but they're yep. very effective and they can do things and they can do them in a shorter time. And they like, ah, they only do a couple things, but they can like grapple. Is that a blue belt now? Like, you know, like just think oh. like, you know, it's an interesting decision or not decision, but just thought process that now I'm facing. Cause I'll probably have like my first wave of like probably 10 blue belts that have never like, you know, done a old traditional style of class in the next like three months. It'll get, you know, be promoted. It's like, huh, they don't look like any of my old, like what I would consider a blue belt from back in the day because they like, have to be able to play this or play that. Whereas now I don't care about them playing anything. Like, yeah, I play spider guard. Literally don't care what guard you play if you can keep distance and eventually get on top or submit someone if that's the goal. You know, and it's yeah. so interesting because like, like I have friends who like to get your blue belt, you have to have a very clear style of this and this and be able to do these things. Like, I don't really care about that anymore. I just want you to be able to grapple. But it's like, it's just, just a, I was just curious if you had a shared experience uh, there. Because it's I, weird I, I, I talk about this with some of my friends and higher belts and everything. I have no idea what a belt is anymore since going <laughs> to this. It's, it's so different. Like back in the day, I was like, oh, this guy's a blue. Oh, he feels like a purple. I don't even know what that means anymore. Like yep. it's so, it's so weird. It's like, I don't, I don't even, you know, I don't even know what my belt level is at this point. It's just like, it's just experience and just training. And like, I have guys I train with on the side for my own sessions, you know, mm-hmm. he's a, one of my buddies I train with, he's been a purple belt for a while, but he mostly does this type of training with me here and there. He'll submit me more than, you know, black belts. I know, you know, he'll do so many different things and, He's just, you know, he's still a purple belt, whatever that means, but he'll go with other people that are higher and just, you know, dominate some of them. Yeah. But it's like, who knows what these belts even mean? They, they've always been arbitrary, right? And I think yes, in, a technique, is, in a technique-based world, it's easy, right? Yeah. In a technique-based world, it's super easy, you know? It's super easy when it's a technique-based thing because now, like, that's the thing that is, like, interesting. About, it's like, ah, it's very hard. Because yes. like, think the belts were in a situation where it was very hard to get people up to speed quick enough for them to then actually start getting good. Like, because yes. they know enough of the, what, 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 what are the component parts of a grappling engagement? There's a, this, there's that, you know, like they can get that base knowledge down way sooner now. Oh, Whereas before I'll... it took so long that now it's like, well, 
that sort of fucks up everything because you know blue belt back in the day used to be like oh they know a little bit of standing a little bit of guard but now it's like well, my white belt you know 10 weeks yeah. in has already done all the scenarios enough to know the basic you know what where what is up what is down what is left you know in all those situations like it's been very like challenging sometimes for me to think about like huh, how do i evaluate this yeah well no that's a random that's, thing that's been on my mind is so so interesting it's just really well, that, turns this stuff around well that's kind of the power of this style of training if you want to call it that where i feel like obviously the traditional and that this it works right there's been amazing people created from this from these from these training philosophies the ip way this and that but i i've been in a lot of schools and when you go with the technique based approach it seems like there's like a base level and then the ones that wanted you know the drillers or killers the people that train all the time they shoot up and that other level of the hobbyist just kind of stays where they are right they just kind of meander in that 10-year path to black belt you know they kind of meander in that way and who knows by the 10th year they might only be good at a couple things and not have it they might not be able to take anybody down still mm -hmm. they might not they might be a gi guy and they can't leg lock anybody uh, you know like they're so refined to that but with this approach i think it just really relate raises the level itself so the good people will still get good who want to put in more time but the overall base level i think it just rises up so much easier because we're always playing we're always grappling we're always doing we're hitting these scenarios that like you're saying the blue belt the two years they might not even understand some things that a white belt with six months in this style doesn't mean they're better or this is a better way to train there's just a different level of what we're looking at because we're not looking at technical knowledge we're looking at more of a skill broad understanding of how to grapple right it's like yeah. you see you'll see threads all over the years you know from different forums where you know the d1 wrestler or a high school wrestler comes in and they're like how come i can't beat this high school wrestler he doesn't know any jujitsu well because he's been grappling for five years or four years and he understands top position balance timing all that stuff he just has to figure out those so then they throw a gi on him and then they now they're able to dominate them a little more because they never trained in a gi mm -hmm. and then uh or like uh people i've heard crystal say this and others where you got that athletic guy come in and they're in their closed guard and they're just smashing into your head and you're like no 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 you got to get your posture up and then now you can sweep them and collar yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like that wrestler he's not a blue belt not a purple belt but he'll still smash through the majority of people mm -hmm. right because he knows how to grapple so what belt level do you give them, you know, and all day, oh, they have to have the technical this, this. I don't even know what that means anymore because we're just training. We're just training grappling. That's all I'm doing. You know, we're yeah. all grappling and that's all we're doing. Yeah, it, it's yeah, very, very relatable. I'm glad I wasn't alone on that one. I was like, yeah, I gotta reach out and make sure that like I'm not the only one losing my mind watching just like that. Um, curious would you say you feel like your understanding of of grappling has just like skyrocketed as a coach just by sort of embracing setting up games and practices in sort of the way you have been oh, I know for uh, me, the theory's been huge yeah 100 percent. and it's kind of uh it's weird it's like when i first started playing with the defensive stuff and i was watching and then i'd start watching grappling and watching you know people train and i'm like 
man, they're just not protecting out underhook. They're not doing this or that. Like these are simple key defensive concepts that don't really get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. So it kind of messed up how I will watch grappling. I'm like, man, why aren't they doing that? And then now through the eco stuff, now I'm seeing them more and I'm like, wow, I understand it a lot more than I did before because yeah. I was thinking more of a technique for technique type thing. Even though I did added games and different things over the years, it still was that technique-based philosophy because that's all we kind of really had. And now just my my understanding seems better to me. You know, may, maybe it's not, I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're just convincing ourselves, but I, I think yeah. it is. I think, I think there's a better understanding. And that's why, I, like, even with the defensive stuff, the late, I don't see it as a system of techniques, you know, postures. I see it as a, as an overall awareness. That's all it is to me. It's you understand why defense works and then you understand why it doesn't, you know, Preet will talk about that a lot. It's like, it's okay to lose if you understand why you lost. It, yes. it sucks to lose when you don't know why. Right. But mm-hmm. then, so you take that to me, it's just the overall philosophy of awareness. And now I could take that and then plug it into training and make games around that and this and that now i actually understand why things happen in the grappling engagement right it's mm-hmm. not about grabbing specifically this grip or an inch this way that that doesn't matter anymore you know those little super technical things we used to geek out about this doesn't seem that important to me anymore you know yeah now it's just don't let them get your head here get yeah. <laughs> your head you know? yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy yeah because at some point when all the control, when you lost all the, everything works, right? Uh, if you give up a head and arm and you're getting smashed, and every cool technique works. Uh, Preet likes to say that too. Yeah, now now YouTube works. <laughs> you know, YouTube works at that point. But how are we going to get to that point? That's the more important part. That's the stuff in the middle. That's where the, you know, we're battling over these different spaces and, and, and um, you know, real estate on the body that's what we're actually battling about it's not the actually the move or the technique that won you it was what you actually took from the other person you know you took that space you got that empire side position you got that underhook you got all those controls that's what makes everything else work after that it's all doesn't matter what you beat the person with if you if you have those conditions then the submissions are going to work then the pins are going to work you know yeah yeah yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's awesome. I just love the way grappling is now. It's just so interesting to me to see how quickly, like, super random, but I had, like, a teenage kid come this week, and his mom did the class with him, and the mom was, like, mixing it up in our wrestling games, and, mm-hmm. like, on her first class, she was doing, like, knee shield half guard things. Like, man how and you're having like total fun with strangers whereas like usually it's weird to just be like fumbling around awkwardly doing a move on someone you don't really yes. know you know like you can remove so much yeah. it's just like all these little things that now i'm seeing that like i didn't really observe and you know it's just so much easier to get someone to play and that like that's yeah it's been really oh yeah see that well i'm sure I'm sure you've been in this a while. I'm sure you go out there, you try to teach a new person a drill or a technique. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just such a mess sometimes, right? Put your hand here, do this here. They fall over. They don't know how to, you know, you try to even demo the move on them and then they just flop over. Like we take away all that now, you know, and you put them in that environment, give them a couple things to work on. And it's amazing how they'll self-organize to that compared to trying to teach somebody 
I'm, you know, eight steps to get that armbar. That's really hard to teach that to somebody who has no idea what even grappling or jujitsu is. It's just such a, it seems like such an inefficient way at this point, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to maximize the training time, right? That's one of the benefits of what we're doing. So it, that's why you probably need drillers or killers. You kind of need that because you got to do it a billion times. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Well, one last thing I was curious about because I always like to know what people do. Um, your room, all levels, foundations, advanced, like, do you have levels, all levels. of experience no. now or is it now all levels? Did you used to? Did that change? I'm curious about that for you. Uh, I've had different schools I've been at. I've had, you know, maybe an advanced class or, you know, a smaller white belt group or this snap. Now I like when all levels are together. I think it because because I can switch those partners. Right. And mm-hmm. and some people ask me like, oh, what if this person is smaller or this and they're they're losing the game? That's good. That happens. You got to actually understand uh, you're not going to win all these games. So let's switch mm-hmm. partners again. And now you might do better against this person. It's because I'm. I'm okay with failure. I'm okay when they mess up. Like it's not, you know, I say embrace the mess that's going on in those, in those things. And then I'll teach like a seminar and like I taught leg locks to 60 people. Some people are brand new. Some people were black belt. Some people are this and everybody was able to, to go together, you know, and it was interesting. I did a, I did a passing seminar in uh, Arizona and I, it was called like passing without technique you know, just, <laughs> so I was playing all these different games and there was like 60 people in the room and I, about 45 minutes in, it was an hour class. And I said, uh, I asked anybody to raise their hand who was a white belt. It was no geese. So I didn't know who was who. So I grabbed a white belt from one side of the class, a white belt from the other side of the room and we brought them into the middle, right? One had three months, one had nine months. And then we just, they went through the games we just played from the end range out. And they looked like purple, you know, they look like blue, purple belt. They look like me and my guide demo in the the games we wanted to play. Yeah. So, so that's what we're talking about. You don't really understand uh, the power of the way to train like this. And you can make people that are three months train with somebody who has five years. You know, I can put a black belt with a, mm-hmm. a white belt or a blue belt. And it, if you constrain the game enough or you create that, uh, that environment, they can get the benefit of it because, you know, especially in the old ways, you know, you would see the black belt wouldn't train with the blue belt or the brown belts will stick with the brown belts. Yep. You know, the purple belts stick with the purple. And it's like you always have white belts drilling with other white belts. And it's like they're fumbling around. They're trying to do all the techniques. But in this way, I like the all levels. I, I still think you could, depending on the school or the setup, it's good to have probably a foundations also and this and that you can that would totally work, but I, all levels works for me too. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the, one of the, the good things about this style, especially taking the generalist approach also, you know, you don't yeah. have to get super, you don't have to get so super specific where you need to know all these things in order to play a certain mm-hmm. position, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take something advanced, like an X guard. Right. And it was funny. I did this with, I do this with the kids too, and I'll just put them in an X guard. You know, I'll show them underhooked leg, both hooks, and all you got to do, top person, just stay balanced. That's all you need to do. Use your hands. Don't try to get out. Just don't get knocked over. Bottom person, move them all over the place, forward, back, side to side, any way you can go. And they'll start playing these. And I was playing with uh, 
this kid who was, you know, hasn't been playing that long. And he passed my leg over. He passed my leg over his head and put his shin behind the back of my knee because I was talking about controlling the back of the knees. And he did like that X guard back take. Mm-hmm. And he took me, took my back. And I'm like, have I ever showed you that? Or you've seen that? And he's like, no. I go, that's a, that's a technique you can see <laughs> all yeah. over YouTube or whatever, you know, and he discovered that on his own. Now that's going to make it stick way more than me saying, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a kid that hasn't been training that long and he's training with a black belt who's just trying to stay balanced. And he's a, you know, six month teen white right. belt, <laughs> you know, where you don't get that interactions with when you teach the other style away, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think you do. It's, oh, it's harder to see, you know, cause they're trying to recall every move they learned instead of just off balancing and controlling the back of the knees or controlling a hip. And yeah, there you go. There's the, there it is. One thing I've really liked about the all levels class too, is like, as soon as you start studying how to get good at stuff, you see how important like modeling is, you know, and in like, you know, wrestling a skilled player, you pick up so much from them as the, the data source, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's interesting too, though, like, so that's one big benefit. But the other thing is it's so good for upper belts to be in an all levels class because they have weaknesses and they'll see them because I have like, I have a black boy's like, man, in some of these hand fighting games on the feet, I lose to like three month, four month white belts. And that's perfect because i need to play this more and that's the thing is like the all levels thing it's just force everyone to keep the the core tools sharp you know and the core processes sharp which has been like yeah why i'm a huge like all levels guy for the most part you know and just like uh team culture it's so good i don't want the white belts and black belts to feel like they aren't training together you know i want it and i know the room will get faster better when they you know, mix it up. It's just so yeah. natural. Whether it's because of them just crossing paths or them forming a relationship that allows them to train and whatever and, and feel that way. Yeah, no, I've been a part of so many different schools where me personally drilling with somebody else or me instructing and same partners always pair up. They always, you know, that's their drilling buddy. That's their partner and this and that. And then when they go roll at the end of the class, they'll still roll with the same people. I'm like, no, all levels grab a new partner every time you know let's let's all get that this helps the culture like culture is so huge it's just important to have that environment you know and when you go to different gyms you could see you could see the the differences you know or just even a camp like a globetrotters environment probably compared to another one's going to be completely different Mm -hmm. you know or just things like that so that's that's what I want to see. I want to see everybody training together, uh, different skill levels, uh, you know, upper belts, lower belts, it's different sizes, but, you know, still with safety in mind first, that's what we always, you know, we don't, we don't want anybody getting hurt. I don't have a lot of injuries very rarely. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're training a lot and playing a lot of games, you know, I think this makes a athlete more robust and they actually, you know, get that environment because they're actually we're, we're still playing a sport sometimes i think we out technical ourselves so I much <laughs> you know easy. all the beautiful tech you know oh i can do this and be- no we're still we're still trying to be athletes right you know i i just turned 49 last week I- i'm still trying to be an athlete because that's just good for me <laughs> you know it's, it's trying to still get better at this yeah 
Yeah, I you know what one other big benefit of the all levels thing that I really love is when we think of trying to create like the best training experience. If we're split by like level, let's say there might not be another body type that makes any sense for you in that skill grouping. But when I can play all levels, we just make it way more easier to hit perfect challenge points for people, which is like yeah, the cool. name of the game for coaching, you know. And like so, that's why like I'm a, a huge thing, especially like even on the youth side, you know, lots of people like to super split it, but like, no, I need to just keep the, the partner pool as big as possible. So we can put them in the right scenario to push them, you know? Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to see you have sort of similar thoughts there. Um, any other burning coaching things you want to share or chat about? Um, hmm, trying to think. Yeah. We ran the gamut, bro. I know your whole system. <laughs> Man, yeah, my, my system's just, yeah, just let's get in there and let's mix it up, you know, and then yeah. keep training. It's funny because uh, uh, it's good to have, you know, I, I really like to to keep, like, I think what's what's helped this conversation with the eco stuff is even if you're an IP person or on this side, I think it's really up the talk of coaching like this Huge. where we didn't we didn't really get that before you know it was more this technique or this technique this not now we're actually talking about coaching how do what language do we use to our students do we use internal focus of attention do we use external focus of attention uh partner setups pairings uh what games we're playing and now you could tell it's funny you see the shift and you'll see more of the traditional ip guys there's they're starting to talk more about how they're coaching things because now the conversation's been brought up, right? And that's yeah. why I even tell people, because uh, I was at the Globetrotters and I did a little talk on, you know, practice design and eco framework and all that. And another coach did it and he did it on deliberate practice, which is yep. very IP. Yeah, yeah. But I, I sat and watched him and talked and and the stuff he was talking about was very beneficial for people who do the traditional because it's the traditional model isn't that focused. It doesn't seem where if you go to a deliberate practice and you're talking about these things, you can actually mm -hmm. make your IP process a lot better. Yeah. And then I could take some of the stuff he uses and integrate it into the, the eco style framework. But you just need more talk about how we're doing things, how we're designing. It's not just, hey, did you get that new DVD? Did you get this new thing? No, let's actually talk about practice design and things like that, which we haven't really talked about before. So it's just raising the whole conversation of coaching, which I think is great. So me as a coach, I want to keep getting better at coaching. I want my students to get better. I need to keep learning more stuff. I'm still reading, listening to podcasts, experimenting with games. You know, that's talks like this. These yeah. are things that are, these are things that are going to make it, you know, not just discussing the a technique or whatever, which you kind of lose your uh, return on investment at that point. <laughs> you know, there's only so much you could do with that, you know? Yeah, man. And that's the thing is like, yeah, I'm so happy that coaching is part of the conversation now because for yeah. us, it's like strength and conditioning and technique. And then we talk about like other stuff, we're like making money, but not about like delivering skill. And now it's so cool. And like, yeah, conversations like this are going to help sort of contribute to that. Hopefully just more coaching conversations. And it's, really cool like i never really thought so many people would be interested in <laughs> deliberately think but which is crazy though just here that is a crazy thing to think knowing that it is a coaching business that i would not think so many people would be interested in actually 
wanting to get better at coaching. Like it's mind blowing. Know. You know, it's, like yeah, it's weird. Know? It's blown up so much, but why hasn't it? Why is it taking uh -huh. it this long to blow yeah. up? You know, and then you got we got somebody like Greg who takes all the heat, takes all the <laughs> takes all the bullets for everybody, and then we mm. can start talking about stuff like this. You know, yeah, which is interesting because uh, yeah, it's um, it's amazing. It's taken this long to get to this type of point. And, and the funny part, I always say this, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about guys at Atos and the Mendez brothers and Donaher. Those guys are amazing. They, oh, yeah. their results speak for themselves, you know, but we're talking about the overall. And the thing is, you know, it's not just competition. Some people do still like self-defense. Some people just want to have fun. Some people just want to do gi, no gi, or just have fun with their friends or competition. But we, we can talk about it all and and because we we bring it down to skill what is the skill of this right mm -hmm. and that's what we're kind of bringing it down to we just want to get better at this grappling at jujitsu or whatever we want to call it i don't even like calling it jujitsu that much anymore i teach more submission grappling or just grappling because yeah. uh, if you watch my classes now you're like, is that a jujitsu class? It doesn't really seem like a jujitsu class anymore. A lot of leg riding happening here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we're yeah we're doing you know we're wrestling, we're pinning, we're leg riding, we're doing all these different things, and the focus is not on the testal technical aspect of what people think is jujitsu, mm -hmm. you know, because we're, we're we're not really doing that. Well, I'm not at least. And then when I've been to Greg's classes, it's very similar. You know, when I went down to visit Greg's gym, it's just, it's more submission grappling. It's just more about different things, you know? Yeah, man. What a fun little conversation. Um, I'm looking forward to doing some more of these. Thanks for your time, Rob. Um, yeah. I'll post great. all your socials in the little YouTube stuff um, and I'll send it your way. But man, I'm super glad that you made the time. I was glad it worked out too before I, my yep. face melted off. So perfect time <laughs> yeah dude no, that's fun yeah. amazing yeah thanks for having me come here thank you Sick. dope awesome uh